Testing, one, two. We all good? All good. All right. Once again, good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes. That's in the Old Testament, in case you want to follow along in your Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 17, or you can follow us on the screen. So you have a choice. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, of course that's found in the Old Testament, or you can follow along with us on the screen. They already have the screen up, and I'm going to have to look back occasionally to make sure we're synchronized on the correct page. I'm going to get right into this message, and I have entitled this message, Solomon's Under the Sun, capitalize that, centralize that, underline that, Solomon's Under the Sun, you can see it's in quote, search for ultimate fulfillment. Solomon asked, and maybe you'll ask, can my ultimate fulfillments be found in my, notice the word my, wisdom, my pleasures, my accomplishment, my possessions, and etc. And as you will see, Solomon seeks to answer this question. I'm going to try to go slow here so I don't just get discombobulated. And as you will see, Solomon seeks to answer this question. But here's a question for you. If you have any quest for ultimate answers, what have you discovered? You see, there's no sense of me talking about Solomon if I can't apply it to your everyday life. Can I get an amen? So, along with this message, I do not expect you to sit there when you hear something that rings a bell, when it applies to you, when you know it's the truth. I don't mind an amen. That's what keeps preachers going. Can I get a witness? Amen. Pleasure seeker. That's Solomon. The king became a pleasure seeker. Solomon was a man of enthusiastic and general or generous nature. He had, as the scriptures expressly put it, largeness of heart. There was nothing small or narrow about him. He never did anything by halves. He felt the cravings of a mighty soul leaving God. Notice that. You're going to discover that later on in this message. He endeavored to satisfy his hunger and sensual pleasures. Filled to the brim. That's Solomon. In doing so, he did not sip sparingly, but drained them to the bottom. He did not, as many do, walk angle deep in earthly pleasures. There's that under the sun again. But plunged headlong and holy. Where did I get this? I didn't come up with all this. I did some research. Like every pastor should. I got this from 30,000 thoughts, and I'm not going to always quote where I got it from. You'll see it on the screen. Let me tell you what Solomon finally found out. Solomon drifted away from God. Anyone who reads Ecclesiastes, you'll see that Solomon, this great orator, this great man of God, he drifted away from God during his lifetime, pursuing different ways to achieve satisfaction. Only after many years of futile searching did he finally remember the true source of peace. There's a true source of peace. Can I get a witness? I'm getting ready to get off track, but I better stay with the text. A proper relationship with God. Amen. That's a true source of peace. A proper 
relationship with God. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, pass on this truth to you and me. Satisfaction can be found only by fearing God and keeping his commandments. I'm going to elucidate upon that later on about keeping his commandments. I'm just going to add this. You cannot keep God's commandments unless you know Jesus Christ. Again, this is what finally, this is what Solomon finally found out. Solomon drifted away from God. I know I'm repeating myself. And I meant to. Solomon drifted away from God during his lifetime, pursuing ways to achieve satisfaction only after many years of futile, that is useless, searching did he finally remember the true source of peace, a proper relationship with God. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes to pass on this truth. Satisfaction can only be found. I know I added a word, fiend God. Let me ask you, Christian. As I go on, this is not in the notes. Do you and I, that's right, you and me, do we have an awesome respect and fear of the living God? Can I get a witness? I'm going to add this too, and this is in Hebrews. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing. I have to ask you this question before moving on. Have you, that's right, have you and I drifted far away from God like Solomon? Only you can answer that question. No one else can answer that question. Can I get a witness? You know. Well, what are some of those signs? If you are a Christian, that is, God has rescued you from the powers of darkness. Listed below are just a few of the hallmarks of drifting away from God. There are many more. I could have gone on and on and on, but I'm not. Because you know for yourself, whether you, if you're a Christian, if you have drifted away from God. Here's a few. Little or no time spent in the Word. Can I get a witness? Little or no fellowship with other believers. Little or no time spent in prayer. Let me go over that list because I'm going to add a few as we, before we turn this page. Little or no time spent in the Word of God. You don't get any thrills. You don't get any oohs and ahs. Let me just add one, and some of you already know where I'm going to go as soon as I say it. No, little or no time spent in the Word of God. No excitement. No uplifting. No, no, no anything when you read the Word of God. Here's just a few. And I know for you who already know where I'm going, as soon as I say it, I'm going to turn to it right now. In the beginning, no excitement was the Logos, the Logos, John 1, 1, and the Word was with God. And a literal translation says, and the Word was God. Let me go over that again. In the beginning, well, when's the beginning? I'm going to step away to try to illustrate in the beginning was say the word was here's what it means in the beginning here's the beginning was you step back no matter how far you step back the lagos the word he already was 
You get no excitement about talking about the Lagos, the Jesus, the Christ, the Christos. You're moving away from God. You don't have any excitement. No desire for the word. No nothing. Can I get an amen? amen. If that's you, I hope it convicts you. No excitement when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. No excitement when Isaiah sends the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. We need, and notice I said, we need to check ourselves, but I'll get more of that later. How about your time in prayer? No time at all. God, I'm too busy. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get, notice I said we, when we get to that point, we're drifting. If you are not saved, and this is the part that's hard to take, if you are not saved, you are already estranged from God. Can I get a witness? Well, back that up, Brother Bruce. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which formerly walked. I got that backwards. Not backwards, but I didn't repeat it correctly. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This seems to me to be a spiritual death. Trespasses and sins, that's spiritual. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan and his cohorts. Of the spirit that now works or is working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too. Well, Brother Bruce, you think you're better than anybody else. By the grace of God, I am and you are what you are. Can I get an amen? The only thing about Christians is that they've been bought with a price. They're not their own. We are to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits which are the Lord's. But we formerly walked in this path. If you're not saved, and I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm not trying to be insulting, if you're not saved, you're dead in trespasses and sins. Don't fool yourself. Indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature. Children of wrath. Well, God's a good God. He would never send anybody to hell. Let me put it this way, and this is not in your notes. When Jesus died on that cross, he suffered hell in your behalf and mine. You thought the physical pain was unreal, being separated from his father. As he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we're by nature children of wrath. What wrath means? It means an outpouring of anger. I'm going to say this before I go on. If you leave this world without the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to experience the eternal wrath of God. Well, you better back that up, Brother Bruce, about being a sinner. Psalm 58.3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. You don't have to teach a child how to do wrong. We already do it. You've got to teach them to do right. right. As soon as we are born, 
at the very beginning of our course of moral action, we naturally depart from God. Men are from the beginning of their moral excellence prone to evil as the sparks fly upward or the waters to run downward. But I've got good news. I got good news that I'd like to share with you later on in today's message. So, some very good news. Matter of fact, the only good news. But let's start, if I may, looking at that clock. I can't really see it. It's a glare. <laughs> Amen. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this is also vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven, another word for under the sun all the days of their lives, four through seven. I made my works great. I built myself houses. Solomon, you are really good. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchids. And I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools or aqueducts from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem. Key point, Jerusalem before me. Eight through nine, I also gathered myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of provinces. I acquired male and female singers the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Stay with me. I'm going up to verse 17. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity, grasping for the wind. There was no profit there that phrases again, under the sun. I'm almost done. So I turned to consider wisdom, madness, and folly for what will the man do who will come after the king except what has already been done. 13, and I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I know that one fate befalls them all. Wonder what that is? Death. Here's the last few verses, and then I have an exegesis on them. Exegesis means I'm going to try to explain some of these verses. I know I'm not going to get done unless the Lord wills. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity. For there is no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool, inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten. And how will the wise man and the fool alike die? Let me stop for a second. Someday... If the rapture doesn't occur, and I'm not going into the rapture, you and I are going to, you and I are going to die. Can I get an amen? Let me ask you a question before I go on. Where are you going to spend eternity? A friend and I were talking the other day, and this is, of course, from the message. We were at the laundromat. 
and we were thinking about this question, where are you going to spend eternity? And we had one verse in mind, there were many more. The thief, Jesus, the, the thief said to the Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Can I get a witness? He wasn't baptized. He didn't take a fellowship. He was a thief. But he recognized the Lord of glory. And Jesus said to him, today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. Can I get a witness? And I heard Paul say, to be absent from this body is to be present, not future, is to be present. The aorist tense is used, which means a snapshot sometime. It doesn't always mean that. But in the context, it means, I'm going to say this again in case you want to look it up. The aorist tense is used in the sense of a snapshot. To be absent from this body. Right then and there, if you know Jesus, is to be present with the Lord. Or are you going to hear these words, depart from me? I never knew you. Verse 17. So I hated life. Get that? Solomon came to the point that he hated life. After all, he... he he hated life. He couldn't find any pleasure in it. So I hated life for the works which have been done under the sun which previous to me because everything is futility and striving after the wind. Well, that's the end of that. Now I'm back to verse 1. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this was also violently. Solomon makes this discourse with himself as though he would try whether there was contentment in ease and pleasures. Verse 2, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, and therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this is also vanity, or was vanity. The previous chapter, chapter 1, saw Solomon look for the meaning of life in wisdom. Wisdom as it can be understood apart from eternity, he found no meaning in skillful, wise living under the sun. Now he continued his search for meaning and tested a life of pleasure and amusement. You think the Lord doesn't talk to you if you get into his word? Can I get an amen? Well, here's what he talked to me about. And I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm just telling you what he laid on my heart to say. Unless one is led by God the Holy Spirit, talking to oneself in pursuit of ultimate answers is an extremely, I'm going to repeat this, perilous, which means dangerous endeavor. Let me say this again before I go on. Unless one is led by God the Holy Spirit, talking to oneself, that's what Solomon did. He said, I said in my heart, and not some translation, or I said to myself, why? Because the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I'm going to say this, and I think it's on the next page. I'm going to say it now. You can talk your way into thinking you're saved. Can I get a witness? I said to myself, I'm a good person, I give my money, I go to church, I say, you could talk yourself into getting saved and you're not saved. Right. 
I said in my heart. But the Bible says this, all have sinned. Not some, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God unless you recognize. Not only a Savior, the Savior. Don't fool yourself. I don't want to be facetious. I'm not trying to be funny. I know a lady who said she thought she was saved for I forget how long. But she came to the realization that she wasn't saved. She thought to herself, I'm saved, I'm a good person, I give my tithe, I pray, I... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now here's what I just said already. Do you know that you can talk yourself into being saved when in actuality you're not? Can I get an amen? amen. Listen closely. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of God who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you, you who practice lawlessness. I hope you don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to say what the Bible says. Can I get an amen? Amen. And just how bad is sin? I want to make sure I got this right. Good, I do. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises and welts and raw wounds, not pressed out of bandage, not softened with oil. That is every sinner. The inability of human wisdom. I got it lined up right here. The inability of human wisdom to produce right living was reaffirmed. This is John MacArthur talking. In my thinking as I read a contemporary psychiatrist's book on how to overcome depression. The doctor's first suggestion was to shout cancel every time you have a negative thought. She also recommended playing a tape recording of positive messages while you sleep at night and listening to positive music during the day. Cultivating a meaningful spiritual philosophy was another of her suggestions. She said any will do as long, I hope you get this, as long as it works for you. But she cautioned against those that speak of sin and guilt. Take any method you want, but don't talk about sin and guilt. That's too much. Can I get a witness? But the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Her final point was to find spiritual light within yourself. According to the Bible, this is a rough message, Brother Bruce. Amen. There's nothing but darkness before you find the light of the world. Jesus Christ. I got to go to John talking about light. I didn't intend to do this. In him was life, verse 4, John 1, 4. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness. If you're a Christian, the light has shined in the darkness of your human soul and spirit. And the Bible says we are brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. Brand new. Not makeover. Not my deeds got better. Not any efforts on my part. The light was turned on when I met the Savior. Long before, long before Solomon, the scriptures declared the fear of the Lord. That's wisdom. And the inspired father of Solomon, that is David, in words after we repeated by Solomon, reaffirmed the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm going to stop again. Christians, have you cooled off? You, you, you think you can just do anything. I don't, I don't fear the God that I served. That I, I don't fear him anymore. The New Testament is equally explicit. It reveals to us Christ. I hope you get it. Christ as the wisdom of God in distinction from human philosophy and declares that he of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness. In Jesus it says, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The highest wisdom compared to Solomon's wisdom then consists in religion which declares one's duty to God and the way to meet it. That is, unfolding. Can you say the word unfolding? Don't you know when you get into this word, the Spirit of God keeps on unfolding to you. I like to say this, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unfolding I'm enforcing the way of salvation. Acts 4.12. Well, there's many ways to God. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. There's no other name. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Zoroaster, not any of the prophets in the Bible. There is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. 30,000 thoughts getting back to the light. Men are willing (laughs) let me slow down. Men are willing to have the light shine into the darkness of their soul. They love darkness rather than light. Not in respect to the great round of vices and crimes, perhaps, but in respect to their minor faults to which they themselves are addicted. Say the word addiction. Uh, I'm not trying to point anybody out because I don't really know anyhow. Are you addicted? Alcohol? I said addiction. I didn't say anything else. I said addiction. How about, how about using God's name in vain? You name it. And yet a man who is earnest and seeks life eternal and whose soul is set for Christian manhood must be willing to know the truth. You must be willing to say the truth about yourself. Can I get a witness? The more we hide it. Notice I said we. That means me too. The more you don't confess it, the worse it gets. You become hardened. In case you don't realize that there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. Here 
here's the true basis of truth. I better say this before I go on. If you hang around us Christians long enough, you'll see some faults and failures. Can I get an amen? And that's why we need to have fellowship to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Here's the true basis of truth, the Word of God. Act 4.12. I heard Pastor Jack talk about this yesterday at the men's breakfast, for the Word of God is quick. I wish you could have been here. That men's breakfast was awesome. What was the title of it, Bruce? Pastor Bruce? You can trust your Bible. I don't want to go into it. All I can say, it was very good and very thorough. For the Word of God is quick and powerful <clears throat> and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't you know this book speaks the truth and the, and the Spirit of God can discern your thoughts. That's awesome. Right. Here's another translation. For the word of God is living. That's the word quick in the King James. The word of God is living. It lives. Right. And active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Say the word spirit. I know the spirit and soul are interchangeable. I know that. But I, I just want to say this. When you leave this planet, whether it be by death, through an accident, heart attack, stroke, doesn't matter, or, or just a natural death. And I know I said it before. Your spirit, your soul is going to go somewhere. You're going to be consciously aware. Don't you let any false prophet, and this is found in Ecclesiastes too. It says when you're dead, you're dead. You've got to keep that in context, but I'm not going there. I'm just saying this. When you leave this planet, whether through a stroke, car accident, natural death, your soul, your spirit, you're going to be consciously aware. Is it going to be with Jesus? I'm going to say what another lady says. Or is it going to be with those hockey sticks, which means H-E-L-L. And in case you think I'm putting on airs, and I'm going to say it again, I know I said it. Jesus went through hell. I didn't say to hell. I said he went through hell on that cross for you and me. Right. Here's that good news I was talking about. Everyone say, but God. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. And I know I've said this before. He didn't wait for you to clean your life up. He didn't wait for you to stop your bad habits. He didn't wait for you to try to reform yourself. He died for you while you were yet a sinner. Amen. Say, but God again. Here's another, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love. Say great love. Not just love, great love. Somebody said it, agape love. Agape love. 
with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. And notice the, the bottom, by grace. Say by grace. I love that. By grace. You have been saved. I can't hardly turn the pages here. Excuse me. I hear some very good news for Christians, slidden back Christians. If we say we have no sin, It's been years ago, probably 20 years ago, but I still remember this. I was at an airport. A man was handing out tracts. He says, I don't sin anymore. Here's what the Word of God says to Christians. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, there you go, Christian. He was faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to, what's that next word? Cleanse. Every Christian needs a daily cleansing from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Verse 2. I said of laughter, this is Solomon. It's madness. You're mad. He's talking about laughter. He's almost out of his mind. And of pleasure, what does it accomplish? Psalm is not speaking here of sober enjoyment of the things of the world. Yes, I, we should enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. What's wrong with that? But of intemperate pleasure, out of control, whose two attendants, laughter and mirth, are introduced as two persons. Next one. Laughter and mirth, attendants. Someone tells of laughter, you're mad, you're crazy. And he says to Mirth, so what, I'm laughing. What does that accomplish? The pleasures of sin, the pleasures of sense. It may intoxicate you and me for a while, but do they satisfy? From the British Family Bible, that is, not altogether to follow the study of wisdom, nor yet altogether to pursue pleasure, but to mix them together. I'm going to mix pleasure along with the wisdom I have and see if that works. That's all that says. I'm going to go on to the next one. To sum it up, number two, good. Laughter and mirth, vanity. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to do this year after year after year after year. And it all amounts to vanity. Next. Shaking is... Uh, you, no, no, no. I, I, I got to make sure I got this right. I was a page ahead. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. And I planted them in all the kinds of fruit trees. This man must have been fantastic. And he was because he has God for wisdom. And God gave it to him. Can I get an amen? Some things that you ask of God, he's going to give it to you. And then what are you going to do once he gives it to you? Are you going to use it for his glory? Or are you going to use it for self? Six. Before I go on, I made pounds of water for myself which to irrigate and forests of green trees. Shaking his fist at God. Please stay with me. If I don't get any further, Solomon became an idolater. You know what that is? An idol worshiper. This great man of God, this man filled with such wisdom that he did all the things that we've already described. Addicting himself not only to idol worship, but to cruel and obscene rites. I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. What a fall was there. He that built a sacred temple, 
for God and offered devout lips for the sublime prayer with which it was dedicated to the servants of Yahweh or Jehovah, the one and only true God. Now get this. If you don't get anything else, please get this. Live to go after Astaroth as if to shake his fist at the one and only true God and living God. He raised himself in the sight of God's holy temple. What do you mean by that, Brother Bruce? Okay, I want to illustrate this so you, so you don't misunderstand. Here's a temple he built for God. You know what Solomon did? He built temples for the women he married close to the temple of God. One for Astaroth, probably didn't pronounce that name right, a moon god, Chemosh, Moloch. You know what Moloch was? Moloch was a god who offered up children for sacrifice. This great man of God, he fell. And before you think too much of yourself, you and I can fall too. There is much in the degradation into which Solomon fell, into the scenes in which the wisest of men appears playing such an unworthy and wicked part to call from our lips still stronger expressions of grief and wonder. How are you fallen, son of the morning? I got too many pages to go. I'm going to stop. However, you don't have to put this on the screen. I'm not going to ask you to follow me. In Jesus Christ, not in Solomon, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Right. How many of you remember the prodigal son? Raise your hand. Put your hand down. As a saved person, that's right, saved. The prodigal son came to his senses. He came to his senses. And here's the question I ask you, saved person. As a saved person, I'm going to put myself in there in case you think I'm trying to exalt myself. Because actually, I ain't nothing. Can I get a witness? I'm only something in Christ. Without him, I'm nothing at all. But he thought a lot about everyone here. As a saved person, the prodigal son came to his senses. As a saved person, when are you going to come to your senses? There are some people here today that have fallen, as a saved person, you've fallen away from God. I'm going to ask you what the prodigal son did. He came to his senses. If you're lost, you don't have a personal relationship to the Savior, and you know you don't. Let me ask you this sober question. When are you going to come to your senses? Can I get a witness? Oh, I think I'll come. To, I, I'll wait another day. I'll wait another week. I, I, I need to finish. Some, you might not see another week. James says, 
Don't say what you're going to do tomorrow. You never know if you're going to see tomorrow. Who are we to say, I'm going to wait till next week? We don't even know if we're going to wait till the next moment. I'm going to say this again and I'm done. As a saved person, if you've fallen away, and I'm not having an altar call. You, you go home and talk to the Lord. As a saved person, when are you going to come to your senses? When? You think you can wait? As a sinner, you're lost. And I don't say that as an insult. Maybe I better add this. I was lost, but now I'm found. Who found me? Jesus Christ. He knocked at the door of my heart. And I said, come on in. I need you. As a sinner, why don't you admit that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior? Don't wait another day. You never know when we're going to leave here. I said I was done, and I'm done. Let's give the Lord a hand.